0: Then that anyway. it and done, did it and done, then that it and done, then that and done, it and done, I was trying to think of a joke to start with, but I forgot mine, so that's what the listeners get.
1: Which is damn fine.
0: <laughs> Hi everyone. Welcome Hi. to the It's a Brain Thing podcast. I'm Nate.
1: Hi, I'm Jill.
0: And we're here again. We've had kind of a little break with the holidays mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. things happening in both of our lives that are make us very busy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we are back.
1: But we've missed you. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nate the, the like a few weeks i guess it's like months now shared with me some of your guys's comments not only did i like cry i went on and i like wrote back because it just it was really touching and really yeah. moving to to uh correspond with you so thanks guys for who those people were
0: yeah and Jill was featured in a video in one of our videos for the I first was. time yeah.
1: and i don't know if i'm allowed to say I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it. I was not showered in that video. I forgot (laughs) I was supposed to be doing this with Nate, which is the norm. I always forget. But that day, I did not shower. Again, (laughs) very norm for me to not shower. But so please don't take that video as my – no, no. Actually, that is my normal day-to-day. That is your
0: normal (laughs) day-to-day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Unshowered Jill. But that happened. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, today, we're going to be – Doing a new segment. We're going to start with that, actually. We haven't come up with a name yet, but mm-hmm. hopefully that will come forth at some point when we have it. But what we're going to be doing is defining certain terms every show. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, we we use terms and... You know, it's good just to clarify what we mean by certain things. So like today we're going to talk about what a developmental disability is and what a mental health Mm -hmm. issue is. So like those terms are thrown out, but I hear people use them technically incorrect all the time. So it's just kind of a way to give people knowledge about what these terms mean. So do you know what a developmental disability is, Jill, and how it differs from a mental health issue?
1: Um, Nate, I'm going to let you take this one because it's (laughs) 7 o'clock at night and I'm tired. Do you have a guess? Deve- of what developmental disability means i yeah. I always understood it as being a barrier in someone's brain mm-hmm. that inhibited typical development,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's a good Oh
1: my god, that sounded really swear to God, I'm so tired.
0: Yeah, that's a good that's a good one. Yeah. I'm
1: really proud of
0: myself. Yeah. Okay. So the you know, the term has the clue, developmental. It has to do with development, specifically, you know, in our conversations, development of the brain. Mm -hmm. So sometimes something happens which changes the course of development as would be typical. And it can be things like alcohol, which of course would lead to fetal alcohol. It could be genetic. Um, and it can be other environmental factors. Potentially, it could be trauma. That's what research is showing that you know, trauma and in infancy can create you know this course of events that lead to a developmental disability. Um, so when I do trainings, I tell people to think of it as this, like how the house is built. It's the structure of the brain. And in a very real sense, it's who the person is. It's how they think. And, you know, we've talked about neurodiversity a little bit um, before and how it's um, to both of us, it's a value that, you know, so we, we've talked about this before, like neurodiversity and mm-hmm. how um, talking about cures for certain developmental disabilities, it's kind of a really sketchy thing and mm-hmm. when you when you look at what the advocates have to say like a cure for autism that's kind of controversial and hurtful right right be, beca- because it is how their brain is wired
1: right? and it insinuates that we have to heal from it instead of right. learning to be with
0: it right and that's not to say that you know because for fetal alcohol it, it is a type of brain injury if mm-hmm. you will mm-hmm. so you know it's it's definitely not supposed to be there in that case mm-hmm. but it's what it it is what it is at this point. Yes. So then we want to ask ourselves, how can we, yes. you know, help this person, support them, and then what can we learn from them? How can they enrich our lives? That's important to remember too. Oh
1: my gosh, huge! I always tell our daughter. I always say, I want to just borrow your brain for a day because it's just so intriguing how she gets to see this world and interpret this world. And it, I mean, it's just, I would love to borrow that perspective because yeah. it's magical. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: So then. Examples of developmental disabilities are, of course, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. What well, we, we have intellectual disabilities, that's a pretty common one. Mm-hmm. We used to call that mental retardation, mm-hmm. but we don't anymore. We try to move away from that word. What uh, about
1: neural developmental disabilities?
0: So, like, so, that is a term. I hear that a lot. Yeah, that's a term that's used. Um, man, I really hope I say this correctly. Yeah. Um, I'm sure people will correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a term used, and it's often used in the context of fetal alcohol. And, and it,
1: autism, right? And,
0: and it can be autism, but it means there could be a lot of things going on here. So you'll you might get a diagnosis of neurodevelopmental disorder uh, due to fetal alcohol exposure, however mm-hmm. they word mm-hmm. that. So that's essentially the the person diagnosing saying it's probably alcohol, mm-hmm. but maybe it's trauma, maybe it's certain other things that you know mm-hmm. that we don't know about. So that that would fall under a developmental disability. Down syndrome is a type of developmental disability. Autism is classified under developmental disability. So that, that those are examples. Um, so then, what's a mental health issue?
1: Chemical imbalances.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So instead of like a wiring necessarily, it is a chemical
0: yeah. imbalance. That's Most of them are chemical. Some of them are some of them are considered to be neuro, neurological, mm-hmm. um, like ADHD mm-hmm. is considered to be neurological, but, um, we can treat those, right? We, if if it's something like anxiety, we can treat that. Mm -hmm. And so of course, they're much more common, I think, than Mm -hmm. developmental disabilities, I would say. Mm -hmm. So, um, most people with developmental disabilities of course have a lot of mental health issues because mental health issues can develop sometimes due to genetics, but also like due to life events. So things like PTSD. So if you have a developmental disability, because of how our society works, we put pe- we put those people in situations where they're more likely to develop mental health issues. They can't choose where they live, right? People boss them around all the time. Um, they're not given opportunities to develop connections. Mm-hmm. People reject them when they try. All mm-hmm. of those can lead to various different yeah. mental health issues. Yeah. So. And in fetal alcohol specifically, we're gonna get a lot of anxiety, <clears throat> and. You know, just a lot of just kind of various other ones. And I would say anxiety is the top mental health issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Aww. So. Hey, Nate. What?
1: Why is anxiety the most common?
0: Well, I think it's because they're – so people with fetal alcohol, they have invisible disabilities a lot of the time. So yeah. I think part of it is – they're put they're put in situations where we have too high of expectations. So yeah. of course you would start to have anxiety when you're being forced to do things that on some level you know you can't do.
1: Oh
0: my gosh. Um, totally. oh, and then it's also just when you struggle with planning and executive functioning. Um, if something unexpected happens, you're not painting the picture quick enough, right? Mm-hmm. So if car were to backfire outside of our building, both you and I, our anxiety would go up, mm-hmm. but our brains due to executive functioning would quickly say, Oh, it's a car. No big deal. And we would calm right back down. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, for somebody with, uh, you know, executive functioning issues, then they're not going to be able to piece that together. So they're going to have this feeling of anxiety for a lot longer, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, that's kind of a quick, loud example. But even just like not knowing what my expectations are right now, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've been told to do this thing at school and I know most of the steps, but not this one step. Yeah. Um, my peers are playing, you know, games, but I can't keep up with all the imaginative play. I need yeah. something more concrete in front of me. Oh, yeah. Both
1: their whole life.
0: Yeah. So mental health issues, anxiety, depression, ADHD, PTSD, bipolar disorder, those are all examples of mental health issues that can be treated via medication, perhaps, or therapy.
1: So then something like oppositional defiant disorder, would that be characterized as a behavioral disorder or as mm-hmm. a mental health?
0: It's, it's, it's classified as a mental health issue, but it's one of those that are considered behavioral. Got it. And I am not an expert on the mental health aspects of oppositional behavior, defiant disorder, um, I know that generally people feel that it's overdiagnosed, especially in kids with FASD, um, because we're misinterpreting. It looks like oppositional defiant, but maybe the issue is all of the things that come with fetal alcohol. Yeah. you know, And a lot of that is going to have to just be accommodated and adjusted yeah. a- until we can build some skills. But yeah, Aww. I might do a bunch more research on oppositional defiant disorder and Mm -hmm. oppositional behavior and we can do an episode on that because that's a really tough issue Yeah. and i have a lot of thoughts but i need to like just make sure they're all accurate before i put them out there because i don't want to you know make a mistake uh and you know spoiler alert nobody has the answer to how to deal with oppositional behavior regardless of whether it's a mental health issue or behavioral
1: yeah oppositional behavior was becoming um increasingly intense in our house and it um It wasn't until I started to not engage, which was on the advice of you, which was really helpful, and to um, calm down my own anxiety tornado because it was, it would just boil my blood more than Mm -hmm. anything else. Yeah. And then it.
0: See, it looks so intentional and controlled. It looks so intentional
1: and so bratty and so yucky. And especially when we're out and about and I'm even like aware of what's happening, but it just, it's just a reaction that. I think most parents have. Mm-hmm. So I had to um, go to therapy to learn how to control my own emotions to not engage and then I had to learn to connect with her in a really mindful manner. Um, and I she it's almost a non-issue in our home any any longer. It's wow. been incredibly powerful. Yeah. yeah. But it was it was me, the mom, yeah, doing the majority of the work right. to control my own reaction to her. That's where the power was and for me to be able to connect with her because in those moments I felt that's when her anxiety tornado was spinning a million miles and it was my job to calm it down for her. Yeah. So,
0: so hopefully that, you know, clarifies some things. Um, and you know, that those definitions are really kind of what I've come up with. So mm-hmm. people might have different understandings and I, I, I'd actually be curious to hear, you know, if anybody would want to tweak, you know, how I define those things. Cause I'm always interested in just learning more. Mm-hmm. So you guys can contact us via Facebook or, <laughs> Our website
1: and yeah. Instagram. Oh wait, we don't have an Instagram. We don't have an Instagram yet. Producer Cat. Producer Cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, the next thing we're going to talk about today is just kind of the main theme of reinterpreting situations through a cognitive skill lens, mm-hmm. and which is really my approach. Uh, you know, in my uh, my everyday work, which is consulting with families, is to. Take the behaviors from the parents' perspective and put them through this lens of cognitive skills, and just tr- just as essentially as a way to say, okay, if there's a skill missing that's creating a behavior, mm-hmm. how can we as the adults be that skill for the person? Yes. and this is all you know. It's it's not a perfect system, but it's just a different way to interpret. Nate,
1: so, wait, say that last part again because I think that's everything. That last sentence you said, "We as the adult," go on.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, we as the adult get. So we as the adult assess what skills are we demanding of our kid mm-hmm. in the situation that's creating a behavior and if they don't have the skills we're not going to just expect them to have it so we're going to then provide a support.
1: Yes. Right? Oh my gosh, love it.
0: Yeah. That's what I call cognitive supports. So we have let's talk about the situation my so you and your daughter have been doing mindfulness, yes. Um, both meditation and just like strategies, right? Yes, so why don't you kind of describe quickly like what mindfulness is? <laughs> I
1: like how you threw in the quickly well, just because <laughs> yeah. I
0: mean, it can be a lot of things, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, and then maybe talk about like how you guys have started to work through the words to use when talking about anxiety because that's yeah. a big issue for her, yeah.
1: Um, I guess our interpretation of, of mindfulness is to put the focus on ourselves and controlling our own self and being aware, not necessarily controlling, but being aware of our own self moment to moment instead of um, allowing our anxiety to tie us into what everyone else is doing wrong and how are we going to fix everyone else. It's really mm-hmm. about tapping into who we are and how we feel. Mm-hmm. And then in, that is a more – it's a more holistic approach to um, – feeling and understanding emotions and reactions
0: and mindfulness meditation, Mm -hmm. which I'm somewhat familiar with because there's a lot of studies on it Mm -hmm. and I find it really interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's this idea of not allowing thoughts just to kind of come in and out of your head, but just Mm -hmm. like be in the moment. Um, and so then you guys are translating it kind of therapeutically for how she's interpreting, you know, various situations and her anxieties and how she, you know, instead of having to, you know, act, let's just pause and assess how things are going. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And,
1: and the cool part is too, you know, with her ADHD esque type behaviors, which her brain moves a million times a minute, this mm-hmm. has truly been instrumental in teaching her, her, how to actually slow down her brain enough where she can really process and start thinking about, um, her reactions. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, and for me too, because I have ADHD as well, so it's it's um, been crucial for both of us to learn how to slow down our brains.
0: And it's through using mindfulness that you guys came up with the term of the rocks, right? Is that
1: she did? Yeah. Right. So through, um, she was working with a, mind, a mindfulness educator. Mm-hmm. Um, she has her masters in social work and, and in mindfulness uh, therapy, but she worked with um, our oldest about not just naming feelings and looking at pictures and being to identify what other people are feeling mm-hmm. the most powerful part about it is that she actually taught our oldest how to express and explain what those feelings feel like in her own body so right.
0: our
1: oldest our oldest her the way she interprets and the way she feels anxiety she says that her veins and her blood fill with rocks mm. and that she feels heavy and tight all over mm-hmm. and um So as so being able being able to teach her um, how to start becoming aware of when that anxiety is rising in her. It wasn't me saying, you know, like, pay attention to this or pay attention to this. All she's doing is learning what that feels like in her body. And she's starting to to um, self-regulate. Yeah. Yeah. When those feelings come.
0: So powerful. what what does that practically play out then? So now so she's learning these these ideas. Yes. So now you guys are home, she gets anxious. How does this this now play out? How does mindfulness help you guys?
1: Okay, so when we were talking earlier about like oppositional
0: mm-hmm. type
1: behavior cuz that's her anxiety that's 90% of it is mm-hmm. through ar- arguing and such. Yeah, um big factor. So when I start noticing <laughs> her speech start starting to increase and and uh everything that I'm like anything I'm trying to say will start will with I know I know and before before what I do because my first like I was saying before is I had to learn to not react to that so I put my hand on my forehead and that reminds me to slow my own tornado down and to be really present in the moment and to reconnect with And so when she sees me put my hand on my forehead, it's a signal to her that I am meeting her in a safe place, Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to react to her, that I understand she's having an anxiety moment. And in that time, she's able to kind of look inwards. And sometimes she'll say to me, oh, my rocks are there. Or sometimes she'll put my hand on her heart. Or she, it all depends on where I catch it. Sometimes touch is too much. Sometimes she'll go and get a piece of paper and start writing what she's feeling or what was upsetting her. Um, but 90% of the time now, um, sh- I am able to get her to go from this, where it would have been hours of meltdowns and opposition to just putting my hand on my forehead, her acknowledging what she's feeling, and then she'll start to giggle or laugh. Sometimes it takes a few times where I'm like, look, 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 I'm here. You know, I'm mm-hmm. here. Or with being silly about head? it with me. Yeah. <laughs> right, you guys can't see me. <laughs> with my hand on my forehead, um, before it kind of like, uh, it. it like flips a switch almost in her. Mm -hmm. And, but it took a lot of time of practicing of me giving her that safe place and and her knowing that when my hand goes on my forehead, that's me acknowledging that I'm finding a calm, safe place for her to feel better in. Um, so it's been, it's been, it's just been really great. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, when we think about why that might help, through a cognitive skill lens, you know, we have a situation where anxiety increases. And so ideally a person's emotional regulation will come into play. Right. Mm -hmm. And that emotional regulation is essentially a bunch of your executive functioning skills, um, all happening at the same time. It's very advanced to emotionally regulate. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it, it makes sense that kids can't do it very well because they haven't developed these skills. So w- because you guys practiced, so mm-hmm. that's one really good thing that you guys did. You didn't just talk about it in one environment and yeah. then wait until you needed to implement it. You talked about it and then took it into the environment, practiced it and practiced it. Yes. Um, and you 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 helped her to understand, and this is going to be really important for a lot of kids, that this doesn't mean no. It doesn't mean you're in trouble. Right. This is, this is literally what it means because we know in those moments of anxiety – especially the first several times, they're probably going to like not want to follow through on that. Yeah. On this kind of plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what you're doing because you've practiced it so many is you're essentially creating the shortcut. So then in the moment you're doing a visual mm-hmm. notice that look at she, Jill is doing all things, every, I know. everything right. I was right. taught well. Right. She. Uh, <laughs> she's not using a verb She's not saying, okay, we're going to do the plan. We're going to do the plan. Right. She's using a quiet, silent, Gentle. visual yeah. signal. Yeah. And so, It might take a few times, you know, of of that prompting to kind of click everything into place. But now you've done a lot of that precognitive work, so now Mm -hmm. she can sit there and intentionally, instead of trying to engage, she calms down, and then she she, feels it. And and what that does is it actually preserves her executive functioning skills, which then allows her to start emotionally regulating. Absolutely. So yeah, so that's one way we can translate kind of why an intervention helps with. A situation on a cognitive skill level. Let's talk about the time that you said that your eldest was freaking out, and then you realize and you guys kind of figured out that wearing the noise cancellation headphones helped. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Well, let's
1: go back to when she started eating independently because that's when the problem started. I always say, I'm going to choose a different name for her. I'm going to say, Stella, take a bite. Stella, take a bite. And I would always, almost every single bite, I was having to instruct her and remind her to take a bite. And we sit at the table for most of our meals and we have conversations. And she was more excited about the conversation than she was being able to talk. And and doing both of those cognitive things were just mm-hmm. a little bit too much for her. Um, but at the age of nine, it was just getting really hard and she was getting more and more frazzled, I think, really from like six onward she was getting more frazzled and um, disengaged in the the conversation and stuff because she she just it was too much for me to start to keep telling her to take bites so i finally realized um i tried noise cancellation headphones on Mm -hmm. her at the dinner table recently and she's eating independently for the first time in her entire life and i was like oh
0: and by, and by eating independently, you mean is engaging in conversation and eating yeah. without you having to constantly harass yeah. her to <laughs> to, <laughs> he to take a bite
1: or feeding her bites. Yeah, yeah, manually. She's sitting there. She's having a conversation. She's not screaming at her brother to stop enjoying his story of how his day went. Yeah. Um, you know, saying it's, you're too loud. And um, I so it, it, I feel like such a fool that it took so many years to just figure out such a small little piece that just made right. her world feel better.
0: And so let's look at that situation. So first of all, what, what could have been going on? What cognitive skills are needed to sit down and have a meal? Well, you need to be able to communicate, which is called expressive communication. you need to be able to process what people are saying. That's receptive communication. You also need to be able to focus somewhat on your meal Mm -hmm. and initiate movements and you know, kind of track, you know, where you're at with your meal, but also the conversation at the same time. So yeah, it's a very, it's a, it's an advanced thing Mm -hmm. that a lot of us don't even think about how advanced it is. We're just enjoying ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's so, Mm -hmm. it's so, this is where we have to remember what seems so natural for our adult brains Mm -hmm. and our neurotypical brains is our skills that we learned and we practiced and we practiced them successfully, which is why we kept getting better and better. Mm -hmm. Um, nothing is natural, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's skill there also probably could have been a sensory element there probably yeah, was for sure. right so and
1: she does have auditory processing disorder
0: right yeah, yeah. and so th- there could be sensory things going on so when you're sitting to have a meal you also have to resist impulses and ignore distractions so i kind of separate those out and ignoring distractions and all the skills that we've been talking about takes a lot of fuel mm-hmm. so especially at the end of the day you know for the for dinner yeah. you know if she's been using her skills all day she's not going to have very much of these controls that she needs to have when you put the noise-canceling headphones on, a they probably help remove a lot of background noise, mm-hmm. which would therefore be less distracting, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they also probably help just kind of keep her thoughts kind of in one place, just that environmental mm-hmm. change, and so she can focus more on what's being said and and just just eating eating at the same time, yeah, and. In some ways, maybe it was none of that, right? Maybe I'm just, I'm guessing completely wrong, but just doing something different sometimes, sometimes just being intentional about something also helps. Yeah. Like the, just trying something new instead of just pressing on. Because how were you feeling when you had to spend your meals doing that? Was that pleasant for you?
1: No, I mean, for, for many years, I I didn't care. Like it was just part of it, and she was happy, and so mm-hmm. I was like, I could do this for as long as I needed to. But as soon as she started getting agitated and frustrated, that's when I was like, oh, because it was such a sacred time for our family, and I wanted mm-hmm. it. She loved it so much, and she was losing her, her love for for conversation at dinner time, and so I. Um, that's when I really. But nothing was working. You know, I was. I would try like timers that would just make her anxious. Mm-hmm. I tried um like visual reminders like i would lift up a card with a fork you know i would try i tried all these different things i we tried but i i knew she wanted to be engaged in the conversation Mm -hmm. and and uh it it was just a fluke that one day i just clicked in my head yeah which was ironically probably one of the most simplest things i could have tried in the beginning Mm -hmm. but lesson learned
0: yeah definitely
1: i'm a human
0: (laughs) And in that kind of scenario, you know, makes total sense with people who struggle with processing skills, mm-hmm. whether it's communication or sensory, like that is, you know, just t- taking away a barrier, in this case, hearing too many noises can yeah. be a real help.
1: You know, that list of cognitive functioning stuff that you have?
0: Yeah, the cognitive skills list.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been helpful for me to actually take that while sitting at the table with her. And I could have, like, observed and if I would have done that I think I could have um figured it out sooner. Yeah. Yeah, I could have. Cuz I just was I was I tired at the end of the day, right. you know, and yeah. I'm overwhelmed and mm-hmm. I'm um especially when she was getting Henri, Yeah, so I was just super tired and I just had no nothing left. I was like, "Oh yeah. god, not again." Yeah. yeah. So it um that would have been really helpful if I would have had your your list
0: yeah and people can download the list from our website and we'll put a link in the description of the podcast um and maybe we should do a future episode where we actually go through the list together yeah and then i can kind of explain each one we have videos on the channel explaining each skill separately Mm -hmm. but also i'm getting ready to change the list a little bit i'm updating it whoa yeah
1: it's big time it's gonna be good <laughs> um That's what happens when you get fancy yeah. like nate sheets
0: let's talk about one last thing one last thing money
1: money money <laughs> money
0: yeah did you know jill that people can support our podcast on oh. patreon <laughs>
1: yeah i feel like more people need to support our podcast on patreon i think
0: that'd be good yeah. yeah and really when people support us they're they're supporting both the podcast and the videos so yeah um if you guys are interested if you like what you hear um you know, we're trying to kind of build a following and the more we make, the more time we can devote to making the podcast and the videos. Cause right now, you know, we have to do that in our free time. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it takes a while. Like
1: when my brain is half turned off at yeah. nighttime
0: and people can give for as low as two bucks a month. So it's not yeah. a huge commitment and we appreciate any support people are willing to give us
1: hugely, hugely appreciate.
0: And, and one of the benefits is that, you know, our videos are free to everybody on YouTube. Yeah. So we don't have, you know, a, People don't have to pay money to watch them. And we want to continue making those and making them free for people, exactly. you know, re- really all around the world because yeah. what we're doing in our videos, you know, I haven't found anywhere else. So right. I'm, I'm really trying to to grow this. So it's um, huge.
1: I always think about that when I come in here and I watch your videos, I could not imagine what our life would be like and what our daughter's life would be like if we didn't have ability to pay you or to pay for other therapists or, in. When I think about other families who can't do that, I just want to wrap them up in a blanket. So that's why we need your support. That's that's the only reason is that those families can be supported. Yeah.
0: So we appreciate, you know, whatever you guys can give and Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll keep going.
1: Hey, oh.
0: And if you want to, if you wanted to be a patron, that's how what, that's what we call the support system. You, you're a patron of our show. You go to www.patreon.com slash organbehavior, and we'll put a link in the show notes as well. So you can just click on it.
1: Hi, guys. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Legit thank you for joining us and for listening and, and giving us some of your moments of your day. Yeah. I absolutely adore. And I know Nate does too, connecting with you and... Having this space to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Cool. So, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. If you guys have any questions that you want us to answer, um, we'll happily answer those on air.
1: Yeah. And I would happily answer back on Nate's Facebook page too, because it's so much
0: fun for me. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks,
1: guys. Late. We see how I went like this to say, Late. (laughs)